Uh, when we asked people about what they were most afraid of, uh, death was the number one topic, the number one answer that they gave. People said all kinds of different things and we've looked at some of them over the last few weeks, but far and away, death was the number one answer and that was whether that was their own death uh, or the death of somebody that they love. Uh, death, uh, as we've already heard this morning, can be very confronting. Uh, whether that's thinking about our own death or whether that is thinking about the death of someone else. I'll never forget uh, when I lived in Canberra, I went to the National Gallery. The National Gallery had an exhibition uh, of Egyptian artefacts and the title of the exhibition was something like, uh, you know, Into the Afterlife. Uh, it was looking particularly at the Egyptian, ancient Egyptian view uh, of what happens after death. And uh, as I was standing in one of the rooms uh, looking at some of the psych- sarcophagi that were there, uh, a mother and her young boy came into the room and stood next to me. Uh, and at first, you know, I didn't think anything of it, but over time, uh, as we stood there, very quickly... <laughs> That young boy, maybe 10 or 12 or something like that, became very agitated and became very upset uh, and so much so that uh, his mum and he had to leave the room. He was upset by the spectre of death. Uh, Death can be very confronting. But for many people, the way that Uh, they deal with death is much like that mother and her boy. That is, when faced with death, we run out of the room, we go somewhere else so that we don't have to think about it. Uh, We don't do death. We don't like to think about it. When it comes up, we push it away. We we use language that uh, helps us not to talk about it. No one dies, they pass away, they pass on. Someone told me recently that uh, a woman they knew, uh, her husband died uh, or was dying uh, and her response to that situation was extraordinary. She said, I never saw this day coming. I never saw this day coming. What does that mean? Surely she must have seen that day coming. Everybody dies. I never saw this day coming. But people don't see the day coming because we don't do death. We do it, but we don't do it. We don't think about it. We don't deal with it. Well, I want to help uh, us today think honestly about death and about the fear of death uh, and about the future that lies in store for all of us. Uh, And I want to think with you too about what the Bible says about the hope uh, in the face of death that we can have in Jesus. We're going to look at a couple of Bible passages that we'll read in a moment. The first one is 1 Corinthians 15, but before we read that, um, let's pray together. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, uh, we know deep in our hearts that we all face death, and for some of us, Lord, that's a scary idea. Uh, Lord, for some of us, it's not scary because we've chosen not to think about it. Uh, But Lord, wherever we are, we ask that you would speak to us this morning uh, living words, uh, words that confront the reality of death, that confront uh, the truth of uh, our decaying bodies, 
and the limited time that we have here on this earth. Lord, we pray that you would speak words that challenge us to reckon with our death. And Lord, more than that, you would speak words that give us hope in the face of death as well. Real hope, not not just a dream, not just something that's make-believe, but something that's really real uh, and that we can trust in. So, Father, we pray that for Jesus' sake. Amen. So, uh, the words I want to read to you first uh, are from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 to 58. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 to 58, uh, where it says this, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed, with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that part of the Bible says, in a nutshell, is that there is hope in the face of death. There's hope of resurrection, of coming to life again. It says that one day people will be raised from death to life. It says that one day what is perishable will become imperishable. When you buy food from the supermarket, people talk about perishables, right? Perishables are the things that don't last for a very long time. Uh, things that, uh, that do last are not perishable. Chocolate probably is not perishable. Paper, uh, and to some degree even things like canned goods. But perishables will go bad. Milk, eggs, fruit, vegetables, after a while they go rotten. They fall to pieces. They stink. And the Bible says that you and I are perishables too. We know that, don't we? We live in bodies that age and decay, bodies that break down, bodies that die. When I bring my milk uh, home from the supermarket, I put it in the fridge to try and make it last for as long as possible. Now, if I don't put it in the fridge, it uh, goes bad very quickly. It will still go bad eventually, even in the fridge. And you may have had that unlucky uh, moment where you, uh, you get your cereal ready, you pour the milk on, and you think, what on earth is that stench? Or worse, you take the first bite. Uh, we, we, we put our things in the fridge to try and make them last longer. And as human beings, we often try and do that as well. We try and find the human equivalent of the fridge. We try and find something that we can put ourselves in to make ourselves last longer. 
But eventually, like things that go in the fridge, we go rotten. You open the vegetable drawer and you find the apple that's been there for too long. And the Bible says that you and I are like that. But one day, it won't be. The perishable will become imperishable. One day, death will be swallowed up. It's like uh, the image is, is of like the, the earth parting and death falling in and the ground covering it all over again. You, it, it will be swallowed up so that you can't see it anymore, so it's no longer there. The sting of death, the, the Bible says, will be rendered powerless. Like when uh, you're stung by a bee, uh, eventually the bee will die. It can't sting again. The same is true of death. One day the, the sting of death will be taken away and it will have no power. The Bible says that it's like putting on a pair of new clothes. Uh, we like to think sometimes that when we go to the shops, we buy our new clothes and we put them on, we become new people. Uh, we become glamorous or more glamorous. Uh, we become confident. Uh, but imagine if you could put on a pair of clothes and you would that would see that you would never die again. Imagine a pair of clothes that would make you live forever. The Bible says that actually a pair of clothes like that really exist. But the clothes that we put on is not like a t-shirt or jeans. The clothes that we put on to live forever is the Lord Jesus Christ. When we put on Jesus, death has no power over us anymore. The passage that we read says that death, victory over death comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through him, through putting on him somehow, that death is rendered powerless. Death is swallowed up. That's because when we put on Jesus, we're putting on someone who has already died, but who has not just died, has been raised to life again. And it's important to understand that both those things that Jesus has done are important for us, his death and his resurrection. It's impossible for us to have life without something happening to deal with our death. Why is that? The reason is because death is not just a physical reality, it's a consequence of our rebellion against God. We die because we're rebels against God. We die because we're at odds with God. We die because uh, we've turned against God. We've sought to live our lives without God. We're rebels against God and so we're under the sentence of death. But Jesus has taken that sentence on himself. He's taken that judgment, such that when we put on Jesus, his death under the judgment of God becomes our death. His, our penalty is taken by him in his death. His death exhausts what we owe God, but what we could never pay. When we put on Jesus, we put on his death for us. But when we put on Jesus, we also put on his life 
Jesus didn't just die, he conquered death, he rose from the dead, he rose to life again. And when we put on Jesus, we share in that powerful resurrection life. He's exhausted death and he's come to life again. And he's proved in doing that, that death no longer has power for those who are with Jesus. The Bible isn't asking us to believe in something that has never been seen or never been witnessed. It's not asking us to believe in a hope beyond death that no one has ever seen, no one has ever experienced. It's asking us to believe in something that people have seen, that people have witnessed. Those who lived in the time of Jesus, saw him die, saw him crucified, saw him buried. But they saw him three days later alive and well. The people who saw him alive were not people who expected to see him alive again. They did not expect that someone would rise from the dead. The person who wrote those words that we read before, uh, Paul, He originally was an opponent of Jesus, but he came to truly believe in Jesus. Why was that? Because he saw Jesus alive and kicking on the road to Damascus. And having seen proof of Jesus, he came to know and trust Jesus and he came to proclaim to others that whoever links up with Jesus has nothing to fear from death. Jesus has beaten it. And Jesus shares that victory over death when we link up with him, when we put him on. Well, the death and the resurrection of Jesus mean that there is incredible hope for those who, who follow Jesus, for those who do put him on, who, uh, who put their trust in him. It's important to recognize that those words that we read uh, from, the, from Paul Uh, that what he is saying about victory over death, he's saying that is available to everyone. All of us can have, can participate, can experience that victory over death. But it's not automatic. It's not like, you know, when the government announced their their, their, their COVID concessions for businesses. You didn't have to do anything. You just pay your taxes and all of a sudden you get thousands of dollars. You get $10,000 in your bank account. It was automatic. But it's not like that with this remedy for death. It's not automatic. It's available to everyone. But you have to receive it. When Paul says, we, we will not all sleep. We will all be changed. He doesn't mean everyone in the whole world. He means those people who have already linked up with Jesus. He's writing to people who who are Christians, who are believers, who, who trust Jesus. And he says, we won't all sleep. We will all be changed. The people he's talking about are not churchgoers. They're not people who are religious. They're not people who have read the Bible once or twice or who read it every day. They're people who have really and truly put Jesus on. They've become followers of Jesus. And Paul says you can't have life 
without Jesus. Jesus doesn't throw life over the top of the wall to us and we sort of catch it and have it in ourselves. The way that we get life is by being with Jesus and staying with Jesus. And if you've done that, then you don't have any reason to be afraid of death. If you're a follower of Jesus, I I hope that you leave this morning knowing, being more confident, that you have no reason to be afraid of death. You can think about death and not be afraid. You can see death around you and not be afraid. I remember as a child, going to a funeral was always a terrifying affair. Because, like the boy in the museum, I was afraid of death. But the Bible says that if we know Jesus, if we've put him on, then we don't need to be afraid of death. You can see death around you and not be afraid. You can see your loved ones die and not be afraid. You can talk about death. You don't have to pretend it doesn't exist. You can talk about it with your wife and say, do you know what? I might not be here tomorrow. You might not be here tomorrow. One of our children might not be here tomorrow. You can talk about it with your kids as well. Say, do you know what? There's no guarantee that when we wake up tomorrow, all of us will be living. I might not be here. But you know, you don't have to worry because I'm in Jesus and death has no sting. You can wake up each morning and think, I might die today and not be terrified by that. We have no reason to fear death if we've put on Jesus. Last year, uh, a friend of mine uh, who was responsible for uh, getting me into ministry uh, and initially training me, and uh, he passed away. He was diagnosed with bowel cancer uh, and died about 12 months later. He was also uh, one of my colleagues at the place where I teach in Melbourne. Uh, And when I finally got the news that uh, he decided not to pursue any treatment options, I thought, (laughs) well, I should write something, shouldn't I? Uh, I should write an email. And at first I thought, well, what do do you say, you know? And my initial tendency was to say, I'm praying that God would do a miracle. My initial tendency was not to talk about death. Isn't that extraordinary? As a pastor, (laughs) my initial response was not to talk about death. And in the end I thought, no, actually, that's the best thing I can do. Here are some of the words that I shared with my friend as he faced death. Hi, John. I heard last week that you had decided not to pursue any further treatment options. I was sorry to hear that. I've been praying for you and Sally over the last few months and I've been following your news at a distance. I'll continue to pray that God will strengthen you, especially now as you face the prospect of a further decline and perhaps ultimately 
of leaving this world to go to be with our Lord and Saviour Jesus unless God intervenes in a miraculous way. As you and Sally face the months ahead, I hope you might find the words, these words from R.C. Sproul helpful. He writes, We've thought about suffering as a vocation, as a role given to us by God. But dare we think of death as a vocation as well? We have different vocations with respect to the jobs and tasks God gives us all in this life. But we all share in the vocation of death. Every one of us is called to die. That vocation is as much a calling from God as is a call to the ministry of Christ. Sometimes the call comes suddenly and without warning. Sometimes it comes with advance notification. But it comes to all of us. And it comes from God. When God issues a call to us, it is always a holy call. The vocation of dying is a sacred vocation. To understand that is one of the most important lessons a Christian can ever learn. When the summons comes, we can respond in many ways. We can become angry, bitter or terrified. But if we see it as a call from God and not a threat from Satan, we are more prepared to cope with its difficulties. The valley of the shadow of death is not a box canyon. It is a passageway to a better country. The valley leads to life, life far more abundant than anything we can imagine. The goal of the vocation of death is heaven itself, but there is no route to heaven except through this valley. If we're believers in Jesus, we have no reason to fear death. That's good news. That is very good news. That is the most amazing news that any of us can ever hear. If you've done that, if you've put your trust in Jesus, if you've linked up with him, if you've put him on, then you don't need to fear death. But I want to think with you lastly, before we finish, I want to think with you about the question, what about those who are not followers of Jesus? To answer that question, I want to look with you at some words that Jesus spoke about death. Uh, these are words from one of uh, the biographies of Jesus' life, from uh, what's called the Gospel of Luke. And this is what Jesus says. Uh, it'll be up on the screen as well. Jesus says to his followers, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will sh show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. Over the last four weeks, we've been looking at fears that people have and we've been looking at reasons that we don't, uh, for why we shouldn't be afraid. But Jesus here says that there is something that we should be afraid of. 
something that it's right to be fearful of. There is, in other words, such a thing as a healthy fear. It's good, for instance, to be afraid of snakes. Uh, because if you're afraid of snakes when you're walking in the bush, you'll be a bit more careful where you, where you tread. Uh, it's good to be afraid of heights because you'll be a bit more careful about uh, where you tread, where you step, where you go. Yes, of course, there, there is such a thing as out-of-control fear that can debilitate us, but there is also a kind of a, a right and healthy fear. Uh, so too, not being afraid doesn't, isn't always a good thing. Uh, not being afraid is not always a good sign. So convincing yourself that travelling uh, 200 kilometres down the Midland hi- Highway, con- convincing yourself that is safe is not a good idea. Uh, not being afraid of that is not necessarily a good thing. It's right to recognise danger and to be wary of it. And in the same way Jesus says that there is something we should fear, but the thing that we should fear is not death. Jesus says uh, that his followers, the people who uh, are following him, he says they shouldn't be afraid of people who will kill them. Instead, what they should be afraid of is the one who can throw, cast your body into hell. The one you should be afraid of, Jesus says, is God. What you should be afraid of is not physical death, but eternity spent under the judgment and the punishment of God. In another part of the Bible, uh, it says this, these words from Hebrews 9.27, people are destined to die once and after that face judgment. We're all destined to die, but we're also destined to face judgment. I was talking with someone I know Uh, recently, uh, not a believer, not a Christian, but grew up in a Christian setting and her husband had passed away. Uh, And as we were talking, she said, said, Carl, it comes to to all of us, doesn't it? Death comes to all of us. Uh, um, People are destined to die once and she stopped there. And in my head, I finished the sentence and after that face judgment. Her husband had died, not a believer. We're all destined to die, but we're all destined to face God and to face God's judgment on our lives. Jesus' resurrection is not only proof that life is available to all those who link up with him, who put him on, Jesus' resurrection is also proof that one day he will raise to life uh, all those uh, who have not submitted to him and raise them for judgment. What is the basis of, uh, on which people will be judged? It's not whether you've been a good person. Uh, even at our best, the Bible says, our best is like a filthy rag. Uh, it's not whether you've given lots of money to charity. Jesus tells us how people will be judged. He says we'll be judged based on how we've responded to Jesus. Jesus. 
He says, those who acknowledge me, who receive him as saviour and God, those people Jesus will acknowledge before the Father. That is, on that last day, Jesus will say, they're with me. That's how we're received into everlasting life. Through Jesus saying, don't worry about him. Don't worry about her. They're with me. What matters is whether you've linked up with Jesus and put him on. And if you've done that, you have nothing to fear on the day of judgment. But if you haven't done that, if you've rejected Jesus or if you don't really care or not really, you know him, but you've not really given up your life to him, then Jesus says that the one thing that you should do is be afraid. Be very afraid, not simply of death, but of judgment. And that's not just about us. It's not just about where do I stand with God. It's about others too. Those that we know who don't know Jesus, we should be worried about them. We should be afraid for them. We should be sharing with them the good news of what God has done in Jesus, the hope beyond death, the reality of judgment. And that's a right fear. It's a real fear and it's a good fear. But it's also a fear that has a purpose. And the purpose is not so that we would despair. And the purpose is not so that we would go to our grave anxious. It's a fear whose purpose is to drive us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why are you afraid of snakes? <laughs> so that you don't tread on them and get bitten. Why is it good to be afraid of heights? They don't fall off the edge. Why is it good to be wary of speeding? So that you don't kill yourself and kill others. Why does Jesus call us to be afraid of judgment? so that we can turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Paul says, the Bible says, God says, that the life of Jesus is available to all people if only we link up with him through faith. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you Lord, it seems so insignificant to say that. Lord, we thank you for what Jesus has done. Lord, we thank you that there is in him hope for eternity. Hope not just for this life. Lord, if all we have is hope for this life, we're to be pitied more than all people. But Jesus has brought hope for eternity by taking the judgment that we deserve, by conquering death, and by sharing his powerful resurrection life with everyone who links up with him and puts him on. Lord, if there's any here this morning who haven't done that, Lord, we pray that you would 
uh, encourage them to do that, that you would open their hearts to do that. Lord, that you would set before them the real fear, not of death, but of judgment. But also, Lord, the real hope that on that day Jesus might say, he's with me, she's with me. Lord, for those of us who do know you and and have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, we thank you that even if we die today, we have nothing to fear. If we die tomorrow, we have nothing to fear. Lord, help us to live bold and confident lives, knowing those truths uh, and living for you every day uh, as though it was our last. Lord, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. We pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen.